when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord James. Stately, plump, buck bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by James Greger. At this pertinent suggestion, Mr. Bloom, to change the subject, looked down, but in a quandary, as he couldn't tell exactly what construction to put on belongs to which sounded rather a far cry. The rebuke of some kind was clearer than the other part. Needless to say, the fumes of his recent orgy spoke then with some asperity, in a curious bitter way, foreign to his sober state. Probably the home life to which Mr. Bloom attached the utmost importance had not been all that was needful or he hadn't been familiarized with the right sort of people. With a touch of fear for the young man beside him, whom he furtively scrutinized with an air of some consternation, remembering he had just come back from Paris, the eyes more especially reminding him forcibly of father and sister, failing to throw much light on the subject, however, he brought to mind instances of cultured fellows that promised so brilliantly nipped in the bud of premature decay, and nobody to blame but themselves. For instance, there was the case of O'Callaghan, for one, the half-crazy fattest, respectably connected, though of inadequate means, with his mad vagaries, among whose other gay doings went rotto, and making himself a nuisance to everybody all round, he was in the habit of ostentatiously sporting in public a suit of brown paper, a fact, and then the usual denouement, after the fun had gone on fast and furious, he got landed into hot water and had to be spirited away by a few friends, after a strong hint to a blind horse from John Mallon of Lower Castle Yard, so as not to be made amenable under Section 2 of the Criminal Law Amendment Act, certain names of those subpoenaed being handed in but not divulged, for reasons which will occur to anyone with a pick of brains. Briefly, putting two and two together, 616, which he pointedly turned a deaf ear to, Antonio and so forth, jockeys and esthetes and the tattoo, which was all the go in the 70s or thereabouts, even in the House of Lords, because early in life the occupant of the throne, then heir apparent, the other members of the upper ten and other high personages, simply following in the footsteps of the head of the state, he reflected about the errors of notorieties and crowned heads running counter to morality, such as the Cornwall case a number of years before, under their veneer, in a way scarcely intended by nature, a thing good Mrs. Grundy as the Lost Dance was terribly down on, though not for the reason they thought they were, probably, whatever it was, except women chiefly who were always fiddling more or less at one another, it being largely a matter of dress and all the rest of it. Ladies who like distinctive underclothing should, and every well-tailored man must, trying to make the gap wider between them by innuendo, and give more of a genuine fillip to acts of impropriety between the two. She unbuttoned his, and then he untied her, mind the pin, whereas savages in the cannibal islands say at ninety degrees in the shade, not carrying a continental. However, reverting to the original, there were, on the other hand, others who had forced their way to the top from the lowest rung by the aid of their bootstraps, Sheer force of natural genius, that, with brains, sir. For which and further reasons he felt it was interest and duty even to wait on and profit by the unlooked-for occasion, though why he could not exactly tell, being, as it was, already several shillings to the bad, having, in fact, let himself in for it, 
Still, to cultivate the acquaintance of someone of no uncommon caliber who could provide food for reflection would amply repay any small intellectual stimulation as such was he felt from time to time a first-rate tonic for the mind. Added to which was the coincidence of meeting, discussion, dance, row, old salt, of the here-today-and-gone-tomorrow type, night loafers, the whole galaxy of events, all went to make up a miniature cameo of the world we live in, especially as the lives of the submerged tenth, viz, coal miners, divers, scavengers, etc., were very much under the microscope lately. To improve the shining hour, he wondered whether he might meet with anything approaching the same luck as Mr. Philip Beaufoy, if taken down in writing. Suppose he were to pen something out of the common groove, as he fully intended doing, at the rate of one guinea per column, my experiences, let us say, in a cabman's shelter. The pink edition, extra sporting, of the telegraph. Telegraphic lie lay, as luck would have it, beside his elbow, and as he was just puzzling again, far from satisfied, over a country belonging to him and the preceding Rebus, the vessel came from Bridgewater, and the postcard was addressed to A. Budin. Find the captain's age. His eyes went aimlessly over the respective captions, which came under his special province. The all-embracing give us this day our daily press. First he got a bit of a start, but it turned out to be only something about somebody named H. Du Bois, agent for typewriters or something like that, Great Battle Tokyo, Love Making in Irish, 200 Pound Damages, Gordon Bennett, Emigration Swindle, Letter from His Grace William Ascot, Throwaway Recalls Derby of 92 when Captain Marshall's Dark Horse, Sir Hugo, captured the Blue Riband at Long Odds. New York disaster, thousand lives lost, foot and mouth, funeral of the late Mr. Patrick Dignam. So to change the subject, he read about Dignam, R.I.P., which he reflected was anything but a gay send-off. This morning, Hines put it in, of course, the remains of the late Mr. Patrick Dignam were removed from his residence number 9 Newbridge Avenue, Sandy Mount, for internment in Glasnevin. The deceased gentleman was a most popular and genial personality in city life, and his demise after a brief illness came as great shock to citizens of all classes by whom he is deeply regretted. The obsequies, at which many friends of the deceased were present, were carried out, certainly Hines wrote it with a nudge from Corney, by Messrs. H. J. O'Neill and Son, 164 North Strand Road. The mourners included Patrick Dignam's son, Bernard Corrigan, brother-in-law, John Henry Menton, S.O.L.R., Martin Cunningham, John Power Eaton, P.H., One-Eighth, Ardor, Dorador, Duradora, must be where he called monks the day-father about Keyes' ad, Thomas Kernan, Simon Daedalus, Stephen Daedalus, B.A., Edward J. Lambert, Cornelius Kelleher, Joseph McHines, L. Boom, C.P. McCoy, Macintosh, and several others. Nettled not a little by L. Boom, as it incorrectly stated, and the line of bitch type, but tickled to death simultaneously by C.P. McCoy and Stephen Daedalus, B.A., who were conspicuous, needless to say, by their total absence, to say nothing of Macintosh. L. Boom pointed it out to his companion B.A., engaged in stifling another yawn, half-nervousness, not forgetting the usual crop of nonsensical howlers of misprints. Is that first epistle to the Hebrews, he asked, as soon as his bottom jaw would let him in. Text, open thy mouth and put thy foot in it. It is, really, Mr. Bloom said, 
though first he fancied he alluded to the archbishop, till he added about foot and mouth, with which there could be no possible connection. Overjoyed to set his mind at rest and a bit flabbergasted Miles Crawford's, after all, managing the thing there. While the other was reading it on page two, boom, to give him, for the nonce, his new misnomer, wild away a few odd leisure moments and fits and starts with the account of the third event at ascot on page three his side value one thousand sovs with three thousand sovs in spezie added for entire colts and fillies mr f alexander's throwaway bh by right away five years nine stone four pounds thrail w lane one lord howard de walden's zinfandel m cannon two mr w bass's scepter three Betting five to four on Zinfandel, twenty to one, throwaway, off. Throwaway and Zinfandel stood close order. It was anybody's race then. The rank outsider drew to the four, got long lead, beating Lord Howard de Walden's chestnut cold and Mr. W. Bass's bay filly scepter on a two and a half mile course. Winner trained by brain so that Lenahan's version of the business was all pure buncombe, secured the verdict cleverly by a length of one thousand SOVs, with three thousand in spezie. Also ran J. de Bremont's French horse, Bantam Lyon, was anxiously inquiring after not and yet but expected any minute. Maximum two. Different ways of bringing off a coup, love-making damages, though that half-baked Lyon ran off at a tangent in his impetuosity to get left. Of course, gambling eminently lent itself to that sort of thing, though, as the event turned out, the poor fool hadn't much reason to congratulate himself on his pick, the forlorn hope. Guesswork it reduced itself to eventually. There was every indication they would arrive at that, Mr. Bloom said. Who, the other, whose hand, by the way, was hurt, said. One morning you would open the paper, the cabman affirmed, and read, Return of Parnell. He bet them what they liked. A Dublin fusilier was in that shelter one night and said he saw him in South Africa. Pride it was killed him. He ought to have done away with himself or lain low for a time after committee room number 15, until he was his old self again with no one to point a finger at him. Then they would all to a man have gone down on their marrow bones to him to come back when he had recovered his senses. Dead he wasn't. Simply absconded somewhere. The coffin they brought over was full of stones. He changed his name to Dewet, the Boer general. He made a mistake to fight the priests, and so forth, and so on. All the same bloom, properly so dubbed, was rather surprised at their memories, for in nine cases out of ten it was a case of tar-barrels, and not singly, but in their thousands, and then complete oblivion because it was twenty-odd years. Highly unlikely, of course, there was even a shadow of truth in the stories, and, even supposing, he thought a return highly inadvisable, all things considered. Something evidently riled them in his death. Either he petered out too tamely of acute pneumonia just when his various different political arrangements were nearing completion, or whether it transpired he owed his death to his having neglected to change his boots and clothes after a wedding when a cold resulted in failing to consult a specialist, he being confined to his room till he eventually died of it amid widespread regret before a fortnight was at an end, or quite possibly they were distressed to find the job was taken out of their hands. Of course, nobody being acquainted with his movements, even before, there was absolutely no clue as to his whereabouts, which were decidedly of the Alice Where Art Thou order, even prior to his starting to go under several aliases such as Fox and Stewart, so the remark which emanated from friend Cabby might be within the bounds of possibility. Naturally, then, it would prey on his mind as a born leader of men, which undoubtedly he was, and a commanding figure, a six-footer, or at any rate five feet ten or eleven in his stocking feet, whereas Monsieur so-and-so, who, 
though they weren't even a patch on the former man, ruled the Rus after their redeeming features were very few and far between. It certainly pointed a moral, the idol with feet of clay, and then seventy-two of his trusty henchmen rounding on him with mutual mudslinging, and the identical same with murderers. You had to come back, that haunting sense kind of drew you, to show the understudy in the title role how to. He saw him once on the auspicious occasion when they broke up the type in the insuppressible, or was it United Ireland, a privilege he keenly appreciated, and in point of fact handed him his silk hat when it was knocked off, and he said thank you, excited as he undoubtedly was under his frigid expression, notwithstanding the little misadventure mentioned between the cup and the lip, what's bred in the bone. Still, as regards return, you were a lucky dog if they didn't set the terrier at you directly when you got back. Then a lot of shilly-shally usually followed. Tom four and Dick and Harry against, and then number one, you came up against the man in possession and had to produce your credentials, like the claimant in the Tickbourne case. Roger Charles Tickbourne, Bella, was the boat's name to the best of his recollection. He, the heir, went down in, as the evidence went to show, and there was a tattoo mark, too, in Indian ink. Lord Bellew, was it? As he might very easily have picked up the details from some pal on board ship and then when he got up to tally with the description given introduced himself with excuse me my name is so-and-so or some such commonplace remark a more prudent course mr bloom said to the not over effusive in fact like the distinguished personage under discussion beside him would have been to sound the lie of the land first that bitch that english whore did for him the she-bean proprietor commented she put the first nail in his coffin. Fine lump of a woman, all the same, the soi-disant town clerk Henry Campbell remarked, and plenty of her. I seen her picture in a barber's. Her husband was a captain or an officer. I skinned the goat, amusingly added. He was, and a cotton ball one. This gratuitous contribution of a humorous character occasioned a fair amount of laughter among his entourage. As regards Bloom, he, without the faintest suspicion of a smile, merely gazed in the direction of the door and reflected upon the historic story, which had aroused extraordinary interest at the time, when the facts, to make matters worse, were made public with the usual affectionate letters that passed between them, full of sweet nothings. First it was strictly platonic, till nature intervened and an attachment sprang up between them, till bit by bit matters came to a climax, and the matter became the talk of the town, till the staggering blow came as a welcome intelligence to not a few evil-disposed, however, who were resolved upon encouraging his downfall, though the thing was public property all along, though not to anything like the sensational extent that it subsequently blossomed into. Since their names were coupled, though, since he was her declared favorite, where was the particular necessity to proclaim it to the rank and file from the housetops? The fact, namely, that he had shared her bedroom, which came out in the witness box on oath when a thrill went through the packed court, literally electrifying everybody in the shape of witnesses swearing to having witnessed him on such and such a particular date in the act of scrambling out of an upstairs apartment with the assistance of a ladder in night apparel, having gained admittance in the same fashion, a fact that the weeklies, addicted to the lube a little simply coined shoals of money out of whereas the simple fact of the case was it was simply a case of the husband not being up to the scratch with nothing in common between them beyond the name and then a real man arriving on the scene strong to the verge of weakness falling a victim to her siren charms and forgetting home ties 
the usual sequel to bask in the loved one's smiles, the eternal question of the life connubial, needless to say, cropped up. Can real love, supposing there happens to be another chap in the house, exist between married folk? Though it was no concern of theirs, absolutely, if he regarded her with affection carried away by a wave of folly. A magnificent specimen of manhood he was, truly, augmented, obviously, by gifts of a high order as compared with the other military supernumerary. That is, who is just the usual everyday farewell-my-gallant-captain kind of an individual in a light dragoons, the 18th Hussars, to be accurate, an inflammable, doubtless, the fallen leader, that is, not the other, in his own peculiar way, which she, of course, woman, quickly perceived as highly likely to carve his way to fame, which he almost bid fair to do till the priests and ministers of the gospel as a whole, his erstwhile staunch adherents and his beloved evicted tenants, for whom he had done yeoman service in the rural parts of the country, by taking up the cudgels on their behalf in a way that exceeded their most sanguine expectations, very effectually cooked his matrimonial goose, thereby heaping coals of fire on his head, much in the same way as the fabled ass's kick. Looking back now in a retrospective kind of arrangement all seemed a kind of dream. And the coming back was the worst thing you ever did because it went without saying you would feel out of place as things always moved with the times. Why, as he reflected Irishtown Strand, a locality he had not been in for quite a number of years, looked different somehow since, as it happened, he went to reside on the north side. North or south, however, it was just the well-known case of hot passion, pure and simple, upsetting the apple cart with a vengeance and just bore out the very thing he was saying, as she also was Spanish or half so, types that wouldn't do things by halves, passionate abandon of the south, casting every shred of decency to the winds. Just bears out what I was saying, he with glowing bosom said to Stephen and if i don't greatly mistake she was spanish too the king of spain's daughter stephen answered adding something or other rather muddled about farewell and adieu to use spanish onions and the first land called the dead men and from ramhead to Scilly was so and so many was she bloom ejaculated surprised though not astonished by any means i never heard that rumor before possible especially there it was as she lived there so spain 